Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. We, Father God, celebrate what a lot of people consider confusing. We, we mark our lives with the sufferings of Christ, with many people don't want to sacrifice and don't want to come near to the house of God because of the responsibility to care for others. We pray, Father God, that we would display the same life that was in Christ through the work you have done in our hearts. We pray, Father God, that you be magnified, that you be exalted, that we might hear from you today in a powerful way. Bless your word and prosper it in our hearts, Father God. Heal us, O God. Separate those things of darkness and let your light shine strong. Let your word be a double-edged sword. Let it be a good seed planted in good hearts that bring forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name. Make us settled and grounded and rooted in your word, Father God. Make us radical for Jesus, Lord. We pray that today we might understand you more and come closer to you. So prosper your word in our hearts and make it the bread of life that nourishes our spirit so that we might grow up in all things mature in Christ. We pray, Father God, that your word would issue forth and not return void, but that it would do the work for which you send it out. We welcome it, we receive it, and we, Lord, adhere your word as our roadmap to life. It is a lamp unto our feet that we not go astray. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We see that this year... The, the single verse in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, it's the explanation of God's faithfulness to our lives. And the reason why God would shower his faithfulness in us is his consideration. He says, you don't know who you are, but you are a holy people. You're a people that God has set apart different from all other people in the world. You are a holy people and belong to God. That's ownership right there. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own people, a special treasure. And God would bestow his greatest investment towards that which is the thing he holds at the highest value and that's not uncommon because man does the same thing you pay for the things that you value the most you're paying and he paid and when he looked around the inventory of heaven he chose that which was most precious in heaven to pay for us and that was his son that that is at the forefront um, this is this is bizarre uh, humans don't understand this. Humans do not understand this. If you thought for one second that when God looked around heaven and found the most valuable treasure in heaven, his son, he paid for you. Yesterday I was throwing a dump. I was in my backyard. We filled up a pickup truck and we took it to the dump. And when we got there, there was uh, David Elijah. He's an older man. He's a, a Haitian man. And he says, I see a pastor and I run. I don't like pastors. And then he continued to tell us a little bit more. He goes, my wife is a pastor. 
I run from my wife. She talks to trick people to take their money. That's what he said. And at one point, and we've developed a relationship the last six months. I did a lot of construction in my home, so I know David Elijah. I've been witnessing to him and, and talking to him about the Lord. So yesterday, he said the, the great question. He says, you tell me that God would want to send his son here to the earth to save somebody as miserable as me? I go, you got it! You got it! That's the gospel! That's the good news! Man, that was a good day. It was a good day yesterday. He finally got it. And his supervisor was like, David, get to work. He was on him, right? And I said, sir, I am talking to David, and I'm giving him my book today. What is a man? He goes, he's not going to take that book from you. He hates pastors. I go, brother, you don't know that he knows me. He knows I'm serious. So I turned around. I said, hey, David, you remember the book I promised you? Here it is. And he took it, and he wouldn't let go. He wants to know reality. And yesterday, he found reality, that God would die. He says, if I was the only person here on the earth, God would send his son? I go, yes, you got it. That's the gospel. A lot of people don't understand. Uh, Romans 8.32, we read it last week, where it says that God, who did not spare his own son, God who did not spare his own son. So you put, you put these issues in context and you start seeing the value and the preciousness of what is God's economy, how he determines value. And the value that makes us special people and a treasure is the investment he has put forth towards us. A lot of people don't know. Um, from the time I was born, if you're, if you're continued being... Uh, distorted in your value and your uh, identity and you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, you have nothing good in you, you will never, you know, uh, from teachers and from friends and surrounding and peers and all this stuff, you come to not value yourself much. Um, you, you begin to throw all types of, of tattoos on your body because you don't see the sanctity of the spirit of the Lord. We, we would never allow vandals to come in here and spray paint the walls and, and, and do things to the temple, the physical temple where we gather, much less the spiritual temple of the Holy Spirit. If we, we understood the value of it, we wouldn't degrade it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't go around in a value less than what it deserves. When I first became a pastor 18 years ago, I used to come to church on Sundays with, with just normal pants and a normal polo shirt, and, and I, I would come and I would preach. I, I wanted to feel comfortable because all during the week I wear, wear suits as a lawyer. I would wear a three-piece suit or a tie I would, before the judge. I was, and then all of a sudden, I said, I'm not going to do that on Sunday. I'll just come comfortable. And then I go up to Ohio to speak to Rod Parsley at a pastor's conference. And he says, bring dignity and honor to the office of the pulpit, of the, of, of the house of God, of the place. And, and I said, wow. I remember going before judges without a tie one time. And he says, hey, are you on vacation? I said, no, i just in a hurry. He goes, no, I'm going to put you in jail. Because you are placing contempt. You're disrespecting my court. So then I understood that in the house of God also, 
that my vestments should be in a manner that honors the God and the glory of the heavens. Not to become so comfortable. So here God spares not his own son. That's what is at stake here. He purchased you. Not so that you can continue the same. He delivered him up to us all. How is it possible that you would think he would not also freely give us all things? So it's this part and parcel here. The faithfulness of God is not only his son, it's everything. Everything what, pastor? Everything you're thirsty for. Everything that you need. He is the source of all things. So let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. And he says, you're a holy people. You're a special people. You're chosen to represent him. You belong to him as a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Um, and just this one verse has to make you leave church feeling a little special this morning. You, you have to value yourself more than some people do. Uh, yesterday we were in a vehicle um, with my brother and, and he was rescuing me because I got a flat tire. And the car right next to us was full blast the music and all it was was curse words and it was a and the hell was coming out of that window all the bad words you could think of and we looked over there like saying man poor fella to be in that environment of not having the specialty of representing the kingdom. Verse 7, it says, The Lord did not set his love on you. This is all working up to the why of the faithfulness of God. Uh, if you don't understand the why, you don't understand why there's an expectation of faithfulness. God, God put his son into the mix. When was the last time you struck a deal and says, I'm so serious with this, I'll give you my son. I'll sacrifice my son. And so in, in that regards, um, he put the son in the mix to tell you how serious he is about how he intends to be faithful in this exchange. And, and, and the Lord did not set his love upon you. And this is, we're going to get to this, I believe, yeah. I'm going to get to this now. He did not focus his passions think about God up in heaven creator of all things now moved with passion he's, he's moved with with something more than just um, duty Some, sometimes a soldier goes out and fights a war because he owes it to his country it's a, a sense of uh, duty that's owed but they said that the greatest soldiers are those that love their country not that are doing it because they owe it to their country, because their country gives them whatever, but because they love their country. They're willing to do it not for what they get, but that their passions are moved in that direction. Those are the best soldiers that will fly, fight to death. Uh, the ones that are fighting because of what they're getting will only fight until they get something from somebody else. If they get something greater from another country, they're willing to change and throw their nation under the bus. But God says that he's moved by his love. He chose you not because you were great. Not because you had capacity. You were more in number. Whatever the, whatever the, the 
superlative, the word that makes you, you know, he chose me because I'm good looking. That went out the door in my case, right? He chose me because I drive a nice car, live in a nice house. He chose me because I had hair. I had hair. He didn't choose me because of anything that I brought to the table. So what do you bring into the table that make you feel that God now, now, now I'm Cuban, you know, chose me because I'm Cuban. No. Not because you had superlative more than any other people. Um, I'm reminded of my childhood days. I don't know if you remember your childhood days. And Okay, you're a captain, I'm a captain. We start picking and then... Uh, okay, you know, you can have Molina, you can have, you can have Joaquin. This is the smallest, the shortest, on a basketball team, you want the tallest, the guys that, and so those, those picks, I remember even when I was so traumatized by these not being picked on teams my whole life, that when I started coaching at Tamiami, I was coaching my boys in basketball, and I saw the smallest, fattest, chubbiest, ugliest little kid you could ever think. And I made him my first pick. And my boys were like, Dad, what are you doing? Are you picking him? So I want to be like God. I want to be like God. I want to pick the guy that nobody wants to pick. And by the end of the season, he was an all-star. He was walking around like, I got picked by the pastor. First pick. He was doing things that he never even dreamed of doing. And this is God. And that's why you're here. And that's why I'm preaching to you. Pick the worst of the worst. And then his faithfulness is predicated on that reality. And so nobody has to go around. And Paul tells the Corinthians, look around and look who's here. That's not pretty, that's not pretty incentive, you know. All the bankrupt, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, the, the downtrodden, the tired, the weary, the lost. The, you just keep on going. And he says, that's why I set my eyes upon you. Not because you were more in number. Not because you were strong than any other peoples on the earth. For you were the least. Uh, he, just in case we missed it, he puts it at the bottom. You know, Check it out real good and measure. You are the scum of the earth. You're the, you're the most distraught. And Paul says it even more. But verse 8 says it like this. This is all the predicate and the foundation of his faithfulness. Not because you were great in number, but because you were the least and because the Lord loves you. This is, this is it. This is, this, is, this is the source. The ones who cannot come and, and see this expanded and magnified cannot live life like God wanted us to live. They continue to go out and seek love in the wrong places. Seek, uh, what's that called? Acceptance, affirmation. They, they, they go and, and they, that, makes us, that makes us the most weary people upon the earth. We're able, we're, we're so thirsty, we'll drink from the sewer. We're drinking the, the black waters. We're, we're, we're tapping into sources. And, and this guy um, told me why he had become so prolifically and, and crazy into the gay lifestyle. He was, he was so deep into debauchery and depravity. And, and he says, a person who's thirsty will drink wherever he can find water. 
even if it's the sewer. And a lot of us can't, can't imagine the need that some people would have that would cause them to go in the direction to try and find the embrace of love. So this is the key here because the Lord loves you. And because he made a promise, he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Well, what was the relationship with the fathers that would cause him to want to show forth his faithfulness? I have also uh, Deuteronomy 4.7. I think it's 4.37. Yeah, let's go to 4.37. Because he loved your fathers. That's why he promised them. He chose their descendants after them and he brought them out of Egypt with his presence and with mighty power. His love is, his love is what's provoking this whole thing. I'm going back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8, because the Lord loves you, because the Lord loves you. Passionate pursuit because of his love. A, a demonstration. Uh, 1 John 4.10 says, um, before we loved him, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. The, the, the first act is what carries everything that comes after him. A lot of people don't understand. A lot of my friends that see me as a lawyer not practicing law, they're like, hmm. what, 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 is his, what is his motivation? Why would anybody want to draw near to God like Joaquin has drawn near to God? I'm undone by the love of God. I'm just undone. It's like, what do you want? Where do you want it? How do you want it? I'm, I, I've surrendered. I'm, I, there, there's no other pursuit than to experience more of his lavished love upon my life. Uh, degrees that just totally render you without any other desire or pursuit. Uh, verse 9, there we culminate. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 Therefore, based on this, right? Deuteronomy 4, nine, 7, 9, yeah. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Therefore, know, based on, on what we know now, listen to me. We still haven't talked about religion. Uh, yesterday, we're, we're having, I'm having a croqueta, Isla Canaria. And I started talking to the old man next to me. I started telling him, you know why Cubans don't understand what happened in Cuba? And I, and I show him the video of what is a man in our, our trailer. And he says, what, what is that, church? I, go, I haven't talked to you about church. Up until this point that we've talked this morning, we're not talking about church or religion or denomination. We're talking about the reality of God who has set his love upon us and has acted in the direction of his passion, which is he gave his son. Now, though, if you understand that, then you understand now the reprisal, uh, the, the, the consequence. Uh, Paul says, knowing this, this, this is our best. Romans 3, uh, I want to touch upon this. Romans 3, verse 10 this is what God pursued. Ready? This is, this is, they used to say, this is who he took out to dance, right? When you, when you go to the dance floor, he saca la mafia. That's the Spanish for saying he, he picked the ugliest one in the room. And don't laugh because it's you. 
<laughs> he wants to dance with this one, right? None righteous, no, not one. There's nothing that we were doing that was right. Even the things that we thought we were doing that was right is, is super embarrassing. Verse 11, there wasn't one of us that was right, none who understood. We, we couldn't put things together. Uh, Sesame Street had, which of these things go together? And you, uh, uh, you, you couldn't pick the right one. You didn't understand. Okay, we'll try it again. Which of these things go together? Uh, and you messed up again. You just had no, you couldn't put it together. No one understood. There's not one in this room that we're seeking God. God had to come and seek us. Amen. Louis? Louis was my neighbor for six years. Louis Rodriguez, he's right there. And I would tell him, Louis, God loves you. He says, man, that's the best thing that ever happened to your life. And he keep on going. <laughs> six years. Louis, you got to meet Jack King. Louis, you got to meet Jose Mediero. Man, I'm so happy for you guys. You guys are the best. I'm glad Jesus loves you and you love Jesus. <laughs> it's not seeking the Lord, but who was seeking Louis? The Lord. Amen. Passionate pursuit. And not only him, I call him out, but I call you out too. Every single one. We learned last year with the men's group, Leviathan, the man who fights God tooth and nail that he can't catch with a hook or a javelin or a spear or a net, men who are beastly monstrous that don't understand, that don't seek after God. Verse 12, got to hurry up here, I got two minutes. They have all turned aside. Okay, you see this daughter? Okay, you take it to God, okay? Yeah, okay, okay. Lollipop, a candy, a chocolate. Okay, you see this dollar? It goes to God. Guess what? I went to the store and there was a discount. They don't have the ability. They've all turned aside. They have a, a target. They could tailgate a football game two hours before the game and three hours after the game. You ask them to show up to church on time. Ah, there was a tree that fell and I couldn't find parking. They cannot make it to church half hour on time. Listen, if you're going to do something serious, you get there way before it starts. I've never seen anybody late to a movie. Anybody? Never. You go early, you pay your ticket, you sit down there, and you watch half hour of previews. Church, 15 minutes late, 20 minutes late, half hour. There's people working there. Hi, sir. Come on in. No, I'm just kidding. They've all turned aside. They together have become unprofitable. How many would know? I want you to say this. Those of you who have been there the longest would know more. How many know that nobody in their right mind would start a church? You couldn't rely upon anybody. Who, who can we pick to serve faithfully? A pastor, this is, this is the greatest saying. This is, this is my best. This is 18 years worth. Pastor, we want a meeting with you, me and my wife. Okay, let's have a meeting. Okay, pastor, you know we love the church. Yeah, it's a great church. You know that this is the best church that we've ever known our whole life. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. This is all the preview for what? 
we're leaving the church. Now that we found the right church, it's the most incredible church, the most incredible pastor. We love the people. We want to be so far from those people. Total unprofitable. You cannot get anything in the right movement in that direction. There is no not one who does good. Not even the first. I have a spiritual son, raise him up his whole life. And then he comes to the place, he says, Pastor, I finally found my wife. I'm like, I'm excited because you are a single miserable fool. Who is this wife? There's only one problem, Pastor. She's married. I go, really? That's the only little problem? We could overcome the adultery. She's married? That's who you picked as, as God's answer to prayer after 15 years? Lord, give me a gun. <laughs> to shoot him, right? Shoot him. Okay, this is, I'm putting in the context that this is who God's about to invest in. Imagine that they told you all the sellers, what's that called? Disclaimers. We're going to tell you the kitchen doesn't work, the bathrooms don't have plumbing, the, the roof is caving in, the cabinets don't, and God says, I'll buy it. Amen. I'll buy it because I'm counting on my faithfulness to take this to the, be the most incredible investment I've ever done. Amen. And I'm not turning my back on it. Verse 13, and I have 30 seconds. When they open their mouths to say things about the glory celebratory expressions of the vast expanse of God's goodness, it's a tomb. Their tongues are twisted. They have poisonous viper in their mouth. Man wanted to find out why he had lost his reputation in town. And he went around town. And everybody was talking bad about him. And so his best friend says, look, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to find out who's talking about you. Who started all these rumors? He came back three months. He says, listen, we can't fix this. He goes, why not? Because it's your mother who's talking. <laughs> your mama. She's tearing up your life. And there's no ability to redeem this thing. Guess who tears up the church? Say me. I could pick a million things. I have my next door neighbor says, hey, pastor, I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. I could write a book this thick of all the crap that goes on in church. How many could write a book this thick? I know it. I said, you're a wicked man. He said, why? I go, because you could write a book this thick of all the good things that happen in church. And you choose to focus on the bad things. And when you open your mouth, you have all the reasons why you're not going to go to church and be faithful and tired. All the stuff that happens. So your mouth is open tomb with death in it. I, I talked to a man last night, at my, I, and I think Ephraim was there. I said, brother, every time you open your mouth to speak what is perverse, Come straight from the pit of hell. Do me a favor. Not in my presence, not in my house, and hopefully you'll learn to never again open your mouth to be used by the devil. Why would the devil use us to speak his death and destruction? Verse 14. I have 15 seconds left. 
Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. They don't open their mouth to bless their husband, to bless their wife, to bless their family. It's full of you rotten vomit. Bitterness. I hope that you connect that God is describing you. This is not someone else. This is right here. This is who God invested in. Mouth full of cursing. I couldn't speak without a curse word coming out. Verse 15, they invite you to do things contrary to the blood of Jesus. You're swift to go there. Your friends invite you to drink and to carouse, and you're there. Your friends invite you to change the world and serve Jesus Christ, and you have a thousand excuses. Verse 16, destruction and misery are in their path, not instruction and edification. Verse 17, the way of peace they have not known. Verse 18, the fear of God. They don't see it before their eyes. They don't fear God. Verse 19, now we know whatever the law says, it says to those who are under law, that every mouth may be stopped and the world may be guilty before God. Uh, Today you could say guilty as charged. I, I am that rotten fellow that have no disposition to do anything that celebrates the goodness of God. And it says, in the midst of this, therefore, verse 20, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. You're not going to be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't fix this problem. For by the law, we only know sin. Um, What we just said there, everything that we just talked about doesn't fix the problem. We can talk about all our problems till we die. How rotten life is, how rotten we are, how twisted, how crazy how messed up how unfaithful how unscrupulous all this stuff it only it only gives you knowledge of sin we're going to need somebody to clean up the mess and so the description is there in verse 23 we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god Every single one of us. So this is this is the work of god's faithful redemption plan that he comes in and chooses us to show forth his goodness. I want you to, as, as, as the year goes on, this is going to be our meditation. We're, we're going we're gonna to get into this real good. We want to understand where we stand before God. Uh, today has been a glorious day in the house of God. Let's stand to our feet. You're not to use any other measure or context lest you be deceived and walked in darkness. If the devil accuses you, yeah, but you're ugly and small and short. And you say, thank God, because that's what caused Jesus to pick me. He ca- it caused him to move in my direction, to display his love upon me, to show forth his faithfulness. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, we'll finish it like this. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, this is the premise, he is God, a faithful God, who keeps his covenant and mercy to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments, with those who correspond, that that we might see the love of God and that watching his faithfulness makes us move in the right direction. And I've been moving in that direction for 33 years now, and I can tell you uh, my desire is more. My desire is more of his faithfulness in my life in, in just a crazy 
depth and measure. And Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that maybe we walked in here not knowing, not understanding fully, but your word has been so refreshing and brought clarity. So we pray that in all these things where your Holy Spirit points out through the finger of God in our lives to bring help, Lord, to not have feelings of rejection, feelings of bitterness, discontent, jealousies, dissension, arguments, that we might be steadfast in your love, knowing that all things you have for us will be freely given to us, and that your faithfulness is the one that signs the bottom of this covenant with the blood of your son. We pray, Father God, that this year would be a year of turning our hearts not toward our abilities or our propensities or our superlatives, but towards your faithfulness, which is much more extravagant, much more lavish and faithful, that we not seek in other areas that which comes from your hand and your hand alone that your word might heal us today and that we might turn our hearts and understand that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. That there is no payment. There is nothing you're looking in our direction to pull us up above the fray. That it's your love and your faithfulness that sustains us. Prosper us through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice on the cross, through the redemption through his blood. And bring us to the place of wisdom, of holiness, and of purpose and significance in your plan. In Jesus' name we pray and the people of God say amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Greet one another in the love of the Lord. And please be careful with the falling trees. <laughs>